This is an interview with Limark Ambalina, writer and VP of editorial at Hackerny. In this interview, we discuss AI-generated content, specifically towards writing and journalism. Limark also shares lots of good tips for aspiring writers and current writers to use AI to improve their work. I hope you enjoy this interview. So uh, actually, I have zero academic tech background. I started as uh, basically somebody looking to be a novelist. So my university degree was in creative writing. And uh, at the same time, I started doing online freelance writing for a variety of websites. So actually, in college is right when I got into the media landscape. And after that, I moved to Japan and eventually found myself in the uh, content writing industry. And I was working as a content marketer in Japan for an AI company, which is where I kind of got my start in AI. And what that company did was basically uh, created training data or created processes for data annotation for the bigger companies that were building AI tools. And uh, that company, as you know, was called Limebridge AI. And I think that's where I met you. And back then, that was kind of, I wouldn't say the golden era of AI, but it was kind of the time where AI was just starting to get mainstream, even though it's not as mainstream as it is now with chat GPT kind of in everybody's phone and in everybody's computer, but it was, it was kind of becoming mainstream with self-driving cars becoming more of a thing, drones and chatbots, of course. So that's kind of how I was introduced to the world of AI was kind of from the data side of it. And uh, after that, I started writing more and more about AI in my professional career. And that's kind of how I was introduced to Hackernoon as a platform. Back then, I was using Hackernoon as a contributor to kind of talk about my company and what we were doing, and also just kind of write thought leadership pieces and resources in, on AI at the time. And from there, I actually became a part-time editor. And then eventually, I became a full-time editor at Hackernoon. And I worked my way up to the VP of growth and now the VP of editorial, where I lead the editorial team and the strategy. But that's kind of a, just a little bit about my professional background. Did you go back to novel? Are you planning to go back to writing novels or try to still try to write novels? Yeah, actually, uh, I've never stopped. So I was working on this zombie novel for the past six years and I kind of uh, just finished it. So uh, I need to start working on the editing and start working on trying to get it published. But yeah, I do still have that as my dream and one of my goals. And I hope I can do that either at the same time or make that a full-time thing. Oh, wow. Nice. I wish you the best. And yeah, regarding, so regarding AI, are you like, did it light a fire of, uh, about AI? Did you really enjoy the topic and really want to go there or is it, still just like, for example, you are an editor and you can do editing about any topic and it, it just, it just end up to be AI, but it could be anything else. Are you really like, did you end up develop a passion for AI or not really? What, what's your, what's your link with AI right now? Uh, I think as most people, my first introduction to AI ever was in the world of science fiction. 
and that always interested me. So when I was looking for jobs, it wasn't just, oh, I, it happened to be an AI company. That was probably the most interesting company at the time that I wanted to write for, I wanted to write about because AI does interest me as a tool and as a technology. And I would say I was interested in AI even before then, but once I started to learn about how it actually works, how the models work, how the different types of models work and how the trading is different for each type, it really interested me because the, before AI used to be this, this like magical thing that none of us knew how it worked, but you have these tools that can act similar to humans do. But when you look at it, it's pretty much just math. It's like really complicated math at the algorithm level. And it's just about the algorithm and how strong your training data is. So it was kind of cool to actually see behind the scenes and see how these things were actually built, because then you can get into more complicated topics like the ethics of how these things are built or why it returned a certain output and figuring out why that output might be biased, and how to change it and things like that. So it definitely lit a stronger fire under me and uh, it got me more interested in the field, not just like uh, as a writer, but as a consumer as well. I started to see where all of those tools existed in my day-to-day -day life and how they'll eventually be improved and updated once these tech get better. And as we will discuss how it was also integrated or will be integrated into Hacker Noon. And before uh, diving into all that related to Hacker Noon and writing, I'd love to just be sure that everyone follows us and um, I have two questions for you to, sure. to do that. And first is, could you explain what is Hacker Noon? Sure. So firstly, uh, if you don't know, Hacker Noon is a leading tech publication in the world. We publish anywhere from like 300 to 400 stories a week from around 34,000 writers that are currently registered on the platform all around the world. We get around uh, 4 million monthly views on average. And uh, basically we publish about anything on tech. AI and machine learning is one of the big ones. We also publish on crypto, blockchain, software development, programming, and even now gaming. So our uh, reach is kind of wide since we are a user contributed platform and we like to accept as much content as possible. So pretty much anything well-written will accept even if it isn't exactly within the subject matter that we like to publish about. And now related to artificial intelligence, since you have a different background than me and then probably most of my audience, could you define to you what is AI generated content? Yeah, I was thinking about this question yesterday because it was, it's something that I think is simple, but it's not when you want to give a direct definition of it. So I want to be really strict or really, uh, yeah, strict about the line between AI generated and AI edited, because I think they're both important. And for me, AI generated content is any piece of text that you yourself didn't write. Meaning you typed in a prompt, it gave you the output, and you just gave me that. You just copy and pasted mm -hmm. those words. That's AI generated text. Uh, if we want to go into AI edited text, I would say the difference there is those words are yours, but you use the AI to adjust them in some way. You might have written a paragraph, but you're not confident about your English grammar or your English wording. And your prompt might have been something like, hey, can you please read this paragraph and correct it for grammar mistakes and the unnatural wording? 
and then you return that output. So for me, that's kind of where the line is between AI-generated and AI-edited content. Do you have a different answer to that? I'm kind of interested as well. Um, I don't know. I'm, I would say that I personally do that, what, what you just mentioned of, mm -hmm. for example, sending a paragraph and asking to rephrase uh, with a better English or, mm -hmm. or just try to improve the language or to you have variations and interesting wordings. And I don't know, I feel like I'm cheating when I'm doing that and it feels like it's AI generated and not what I do because it, when I read it, it, it's seem, it seems much better than what I wrote previously. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd say that this is also AI generated, but again, I'm also using Grammarly, for example. And, and then should we say that if I'm writing a sentence and it changes, it, it basically uh, switches the, the whole sentence so that it's like more English friendly or a better yeah. English, w would that be AI generated as well? Like in your definition, it would be AI edited, mm -hmm. but still, does it still the not human implication, but the the credits from the human? Like, can you still take the credit from what you wrote if it was in majority edited by an algorithm? Yeah, that's a really hard question that we all have to answer. And at the moment, I don't think there's a clear answer, but it's more about what your use case is. If you're applying for a writing job, I think it would be very unethical to say you wrote that yeah. because if you, if you get the job based on that content and all of a sudden the manager like sees that you can't speak English at a native level and you're taking long to edit all of the pieces because you're using AI before, that's a huge like problem, right? So I think it depends on your use case for the content and actually just being transparent about how you created it. Yeah, so you would say that, for example, if I have, if someone or I have a personal blog and just shares AI generated content, it isn't a problem in itself. It's not, it's completely fine to just ask it to generate stories for you and, and share them and even maybe make money through that. The way, the way you phrase that question, I would say, yes, it's, it's totally fine. It's fine in the moral sense. I think like it would be no different from, uh, I'd say you using a stable diffusion generator and creating images and trying to sell them. Uh, that's just you trying to create images. I think we already have procedurally generated content, especially the NFT realm. And we've seen people make lots of money on that. So I think the market at least has spoken on whether or not they care that this is human generated or machine generated. Most people uh, don't, at least in the NFT realm. Hmm. And in terms of making money, I think right now we don't have huge rules around these things, but I'm sure in the future, like whatever AI tool you used might take royalties based on whatever you generated. I think we're much too early for uh, law to follow. Usually legislation and law follows last after the tech is built. So I, it's kind of the wild, wild west right now. If I really wanted to, I could use ChatGPT publish three articles a day on my blog and pretend they're all mine, run ads and hope to make money. I think in the future, there'll be much more strict rules around that. Mm. And speaking of implementing algorithms like this and making money, I assume, well, not, I don't want to assume, 
uh, are, are there any tools or algorithms that you are or that have been already integrated into Hacker Noon or that you are planning to integrate? For sure. So there are a few. The first one we ever did was the TLDR generator, which uses, I think it's called Rapid API, which is the mm -hmm. uh, AI that they use for it. And the main reason we wanted to do that is because we wanted to add a TLDR version of every article to the top. And we can get the writer to do it. That's the ideal. But if the writer is too busy or if they forgot to do it, we wanted to have a quick way to generate a TLDR. And I've seen in the past that summarization is one of the best use cases of AI, even before yeah. ChatGPT. Even before that, the models were pretty strong. So that's the first thing that we built, just to give a, a quick, easy way to create a TLDR of any article. And not just on the Hacker Noon site, uh, we're planning to build an app as well that uses the TLDRs and displays the TLDRs first. Uh, so that's kind of one of the main reasons we started with that. And then the next thing that we built, if I remember correctly, is we started to integrate a stable diffusion model into our image uploader. One of the biggest headaches for writers is finding copyright-free images. And as you said right now, there's no laws around like paying AI for these images. So one of the best tools we could give writers is an easy way to create original images, which is yeah. why we implemented the stable diffusion models. I think we have mid-journey, stable diffusion 1.5 and 2.5 into the uploader right now. And all the writer has to do is write the prompt and it'll upload the image for them right into the article. So that was the second one. And uh, we've seen great success with a lot of that, not just with writers using it, but how well those stories rank. One um, tip I can give people is we believe that there is a part of certain RSS feed algorithms or SEO algorithms that take the originality of the image into account. So if your lead image is a image that has been on hundreds of articles because it's a free one, we think there's a lesser chance for that article to rank on news feeds, for example, because the image isn't new. If you generate a brand new image, it's similar to a reporter that took a new image on the street. It's, it's a brand new image, nobody's seen it before, and it'll kind of help your story rank. And the last one that we've built so far is a title generator. So lots of the Hacker Noon writers are people who English isn't their first language. So they'll spend a lot of time improving the grammar, improving the punctuation, and they can get it to a near perfect point. But when it comes to writing headlines, it's really hard to write a headline in a second language. You know, you can understand the grammar perfectly, but it's not that easy to create a click-worthy or punchy headline in English if it's not your first mm -hmm. language. So the tool we built basically reads the entire story and will suggest five headlines for the writer if they need it. So those are the three tools that we've built so far. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned Grammarly because the next big one that we're working on is an AI-powered grammar and punctuation editor for people who English is their second language, which we do have quite a few of at Hacker Noon. Oh, wow. That's really nice. I didn't even know about the the image generation that you had. So that's Oh, cool. That's yeah, really check cool. it next time. Yeah, of course. And also the it's it's super interesting for the what you mentioned about the SEO with the novelty yeah. of the image. It definitely makes sense. So I will keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, it's a good tip for the writers listening. It's I think it's it's important. We've seen stories rank really high just because the headline was cool and the image was new. Yeah, it's 
pretty much the same as YouTube with the the most not clickbait but like clickworthy image and yeah. title as well. So yeah, definitely makes sense. And just I, I'm personally using summaries for of my articles and I double check them. Mm-hmm. And there are often I don't know which model uh, you are using exactly. Yeah. You mentioned Rapid, but um, I think the name of the tool is Rapid API, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I know. I I don't even think I know this one, but um, I've tried it with ChatGPT, obviously, and summarizing my articles often leads to hallucinations. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I write about. Um, I don't remember the paper, but I I try to explain the paper for a video, and then I say, just I explain the paper, and I I say, for example, one time that it's the name of the authors, but I don't say their affiliation. Mm-hmm. And when I ask for the summary, the, some sometimes the the summary is like, here's a, a new paper by Google's something something, mm-hmm. and so it just says that it's from Google, whereas I never mentioned Google, and it isn't from mm-hmm. Google. So I, I wonder if if you if you've seen such hallucinations with the TLDR and the title generations and what if if you are doing anything to to solve that. Uh, as far as I know, for the TLDR app, what it does is it looks at the text that's on the page and it chooses the it chooses the text that could create the summary. So for the thing that you've said, I haven't seen like a company that wasn't mentioned in that. So the company at least has to be mentioned in the article. And uh, for the title generator as well, I haven't seen anything completely off. Sometimes Mm. the quality is just not that great. But uh, at the end of the day, Hacker Noon has a second human rule where every story is edited by an editor before it's published. So if the TLDR is completely wrong, uh, ideally, the human check is what will catch that at the end. Yeah, and ma- taking the the real sentences from the from the article definitely makes sense as well. That's also something we we thought of doing at at towards the eye for building our mm-hmm. own tools, which basically is a is a quick fix for for the hallucination problem with ChatGPT mm-hmm. and yeah the recent large models and uh, related to. AI generation, are you allowing AI-generated content on the platform? Yeah, that was one of the biggest questions we had to answer once ChatGPT became mainstream. And our current answer right now is yes, we are allowing AI-generated content. Our only, not concern, our only really strict rule is we just want transparency. Similar to if you and I co-authored an article, I need to give you credit for writing that article with me. So if you and ChatGPT co-authored something, we think it's the same. So all we're requesting is that anybody that uses AI in any way, all they have to do is add a disclaimer on where and how it was used, similar to citing quotes that you didn't write. If I didn't write this quote, I'll cite wherever I got it from as my source. So that's kind of what we're enforcing right now. But to be honest, I think it's going to change in the future for sure. I think we're going to continue to allow it. But eventually, we just need to get to a point where there is some sort of tool that'll tell us how the percentages of this article being AI generated and which parts. And I think we're just going to publicize that report and let the reader decide. So that way, we're giving the reader transparency. We ran a check to see if this was AI generated. Here's the percentage that it's AI generated based on 
the classifier that OpenAI provided us with. We can't tell you 100% that it is, but this is the report that they gave us based on these checks that they did. I think yeah. that's the way forward just to eliminate all of the redundancy and the issue with the editing process, because if we have to keep asking people, hey, was this AI generated, please tell us, it's going to create a lot of headaches. At the end of the day, people can lie about it and things like that. So I yeah. think just um, giving a transparent report about the story is the best way to go. Yeah, that makes sense. But what, what, what would you do if, for example, someone that isn't a native speaker, an English na native speaker, just asks it to rephrase and improve grammar, this would end up being all basically uh, ChatGPT generated, but it would just be rephrased. So, and and you, you would catch up, catch this uh, as completely generated. So would this be an issue that you would have? I think it depends on, um, of course, the classifier. I honestly, when I do see the pieces that were AI edited, it hasn't been caught a lot. The, the ones that are being caught are usually the ones that are 100% AI generated. But it, let's just assume that the case you said is correct. Uh, we have the people who just use AI for editing and grammar Im improvements, and it still uh, gives us this report of being AI generated. I think then that's that's totally fine, as long as the writer tells us in the story how it was AI generated. So at the top mm. of the story, if they say, this article was edited by AI, then it's totally fine, because now the reader knows that this report was generated because they used it for editing. And yeah. at Hacker Moon right now, we have certain indicators on each story. At the top left, you might have started to see them, Louis. We have certain warnings or certain uh, indicators next to the author profile. For example, if somebody's writing about Amazon and they hold stock in Amazon, we have an indicator that can tell people that, just so that there's transparency, that there's vested interest. And we're going to build similar indicators for types of AI content. So one of them can say AI generated, like you said, completely written by AI. One can say AI edited or AI improved, and we can see exactly how people used AI. And I think in, right now, there's probably still a stigma. Like if somebody saw that report and all they did was use AI for it to edit, they might be offended that Hackernoon put this report out that said it was AI generated. But honestly, I think even five, 10 years from now, there isn't really going to be a stigma around that. I think lots of the internet is going to be AI generated and it's going to be the norm. And we're just going to, everybody's going to learn to deal with that. Are you afraid of? AI-generated content being the norm? I, I really was for a long time. Uh, after my first run-in with GPT was actually GPT-1, probably back in the LineBridge AI days. And I tried to use it, like this was before prompt engineering was a thing. Like I just learned on my own how to get these outputs out based on giving it headings and things like that. And once I saw what it could do at a base level, I was definitely quite worried as a writer, right? Like, oh, wow, nobody's going to need me anymore is the first thing that you think about. But with the sophistication of ChatGPT and the way that it works, right now, if you're a bad writer, you're probably still going to get a bad article out of them. You'll probably get something that's decently well-written. It has good grammar and good punctuation, but the story will have no life. When you're a mm -hmm. good writer and you know how to use uh, prompts, The people on YouTube that I've seen 
uh, with these really sophisticated prompts, the output that they can get is astounding to the point that it really does sound like they wrote it. It, it sounds yeah. like they used a tool, inputted their thoughts and their feelings and what they wanted to write, and they returned the output. And when I was looking at that, I just thought, how is that any different from me hiring a writer for my company? It's the same thing, right? I need to tell that writer all about my brand. I need to tell them what I want them to write, what keywords I want them to write. Eventually, they're going to give me a story. I'm going to edit it. Then I'm going to publish it. So I thought, what's the difference of doing that with a human or doing that with an AI? And once I saw how those prompts worked and how they can change the output to match your brand, your, your ideals, and even your writing style, I really think that's the future. And I, it made me less worried because it's not that writers will become extinct. It's more like writers will become more of editors and prompt engineers. And that's just going to be the tool that they use to write these articles. Mm. That's my yeah, that, uh, philosophy on it, at least. <laughs> that definitely makes sense. And just to stay on the generative content, um, you mentioned that you had a bit more than 400 articles published per week, I believe. We're and... uh, averaging now like uh, 300 to 400. Yeah. Okay. And how much of that is AI generated? Do you know? I don't have a like immediate statistic. But we've definitely seen a huge uptick since ChatGPT became mainstream. And it depends because, as you said, these can have false flags sometimes. Maybe they just edited it with AI and it flags it. Yeah. So right now, our classifier is really, really sensitive. Uh, it's just the best classifiers that are on the internet. So when OpenAI improves their classifier, you know, we might get better outputs. But if I had to give a ballpark estimate, I'd say anywhere from like, maybe 10 to 30% of every article uh, being submitted is being flagged for at least a little bit of AI generated content. Mm. And are they performing well? You, you mentioned that you, you expect a bad writer to basically publish, uh, write bar, bad articles, even with AI. And so have you seen that? Have you seen AI generated articles still not performing so well or? Or like, is the proportion of good, of of well performing AI generated content is the same as human written content, or is there, like, are there more AI generated articles that perform well compared to humans? Uh, we're just talking about Hackernet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. I'd say like um, right now the ratio is is quite low in terms of the AI side. I do believe that when our tool is able to flag the AI, it's usually because they just generated the content with AI and barely touched it, barely edited it themselves, okay. and barely even gave prompts. So it's pretty much 100% AI generated. At that point, I don't even need the tool. If I read it, I could probably tell it was AI generated yeah. because of the repetition, because of the way it's formed. So. Usually those articles that are easily tracked by an AI classifier, they're not going to do well because they're repetitive. All they're doing is grabbing information from the internet and putting it into an article. So it's not original content. It's all something that you can find, something that mm -hmm. ChatGPT found on the internet. And in general, those don't do well. Like we usually don't even publish them if it's 100% generated like that. 
but if we did, I haven't seen any of those even past like the 500 view mark. So I think the AI generated content that does well, it's the content that the prompt was sophisticated. And like we yeah. said, the, the person wrote a lot of the article, they just used the AI to flesh it out or to improve the, improve the grammar and things like that. And I have seen a few of those do well. And uh, right now I'd say we don't have much to worry about if that's kind of the return I'm seeing, because at the end of the day, it's, it's all about how good of a writer you are and how good yeah. you are at SEO to see how these things would rank. Mm. Uh, but you know, once these tools start to get better and it's untraceable, then yeah, we might see a problem because then the people who aren't good writers or can't really speak English can generate an amazing article and we wouldn't be even be able to tra track it. Have you seen any really good articles, not necessarily on Hacker Noon, that seemed completely AI generated? Or have you seen a, a really good article on Hacker Noon that you saw that was flagged as AI generated? Yes, definitely. So I think uh, for the second question, the tools aren't perfect yet. And sometimes I read like a really, really good article. It didn't sound AI generated at all. And it might say like a flag of being 30% AI generated. So I think um, the tools aren't perfect yet. And I'm not 100% sure on what they uh, look at. One of the markers is perplexity and stuff like that. And perhaps the writer just wrote that way for like a couple of paragraphs. And that's why uh, it flagged their story. So we've definitely seen either false flags or um, the story was really good and it had some AI generated content in it, which is totally fine. Mm. And uh, across the internet, I haven't read anything that I thought, oh, that's 100% AI generated and was a good story. But I think uh, if you've done some research, I'm sure you know that CNET has been using AI-generated content for a while now, and they're still continuing to do well as a business. They haven't been deranked by Google. So it seems like AI content is still doing well on the internet. And I've read a lot of uh, SEO reports about how certain people are using it and ranking well. So I think right now, at least Google as a search engine doesn't have a way to easily track this and derank it if that's their goal, which I don't even think it is. So I think it's definitely possible to be successful with AI content. And as you mentioned, I assume that the AI, the AI content that ends up doing lots of views is also the one that had lots of work into the prompting and the, the editing of the generated content. So in the end, is it really AI generated? Like, yes, but who knows? <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. it's always a blend. And still, there, there's another issue with AI generated content since it, of course, it's not the the person that writes the, the text. So do you envision any copyright issues with these AI generated content, especially for Hacker Noon since you publish those? Yes, I'm very glad you asked that because uh, not, not only do we foresee issues, we're already seeing those issues. So not only do we have an AI detector on our platform, we also have a plagiarism detector. And what lots of these uh, beginner writers don't know that are just using ChatGPT is that ChatGPT reads the internet and it gives you output based on what it read. And if you do that without citing your sources, that's still plagiarism. So a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll generate the article completely. They won't do any edits. They'll copy and paste from ChatGPT to Hacker Noon, and it'll flag the plagiarism. 
because this uh, the tool it grabbed a bunch of sources, did some paraphrasing, and put it into Hacker Noon. But our plagiarism detector can still find where those parts were plagiarized from. And lots of these people are getting flagged for plagiarism. Uh, we're quite strict about it, so we might ban them outright if it's quite a lot of plagiarism. And honestly, they didn't know. They probably didn't know that this was something that could happen by using AI content. And uh, right now, we are seeing that. And uh, we're try we definitely reject it anyways if it's plagiarized. So that's kind of the immediate issue that you can see in user-generated publications or user-contributed media like Hacker Noon is that there's probably a lot of plagiarism out there for the publications that don't check, like Tumblr, mm -hmm. Blogspot, uh, Hashnode, all of these places that are self-published. I am like 100% sure there's going to be lots of more plagiarism because of ChatGPT and people not checking what sources were taken from and what yeah. uh, they're not citing what the sources were taken from. So we're seeing that already, even at this really early stage of AI. Uh, and I think in the future, we'll see it a lot more. But um, when you talk about copyright, I think you're also partly talking about whether or not the AI deserves credit. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, in the future, we'll definitely have different crediting rules based on the AI. And I think um, we will have to give the AI credit similar to how we cite, sometimes we'll cite uh, the tools we use, you know, like this was edited by Grammarly or things like that. Uh, this is kind of geeky of me, but one anime I really liked uh, during, uh, maybe maybe when I knew you back at Linebridge AI, it was called Carol and Tuesday. And it was about this futuristic world where all music was AI generated. And the only thing that the human artists do when they would perform the music or the AI artist was actually the, sorry, the artist was the person who built the AI model that made that music. So the most famous artists of the time weren't like Ed Sheeran and Drake. They were programmers who built the best AI model. And I think uh, in the future for content, we might get to that stage too, right? Once there's a competitor to open AI, there might be this world where we figure out which AI does the best writing for a certain niche and we have to credit it with that writing if we're mm -hmm. using it. Yeah, and regarding the, the, the copyright and well, who owns the rights? Like should, should the credit go to the, the real authors or the, the AI that was trained on this open data? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, at the moment with the current stage of ChatGPT, that answer is easy. And it's definitely wherever the AI got that content from. Because uh, right now, at least, it's decently easy for me to check what sources that ChatGPT grabbed from with these plagiarism detectors. But once it gets to the point where it's it's not just paraphrasing at like an easy level, it's not just paraphrasing and it's not just grabbing these sources, yeah. we probably won't be able to track it anyways. The ideal world would be we would credit all of the sources that ChatGPT grabbed from. I think in, a, in an ideal world, ChatGPT would give us a report of all of the websites that it used to generate this content. And yeah. we would credit all of those websites. Uh, but I, I, I think that's a bit of a, a dream. I'm not sure that OpenAI will go that route. And I'd say my answer is ideally, we would credit all of the original authors that inspired that story and that they paraphrase that story from. Mm. I think in the future, the writer itself 
or the prompt engineer will hold the copyright and we'll just have to cite ChatGPT as a source. Similar to how, you know, you upload an image from Unsplash and people say they got the image from Unsplash. I think it's going to be a smaller accreditation like that. And probably the writer will hold the copyright. And what is the worst thing that can happen if you don't credit ChatGPT, for example? If, well, if you, I assume that the problems come, the, the problems come when you start to make money. So yeah. what's, yeah, what's the worst that can happen if one of your piece makes money and is AI generated, but you, you don't say that it was from ChatGPT is, do, are, are you aware of any, because I, I am not, so I, I'm asking this for, for myself and for other that, that wants to write and maybe use ChatGPT. What, what is the worst that can happen if, for example, I ask ChatGPT to, to, to write me a paragraph on something and I use it in my article and the article blows up and makes money and whatever happens then, what is the worst that can happen related to copyright or, or legal issues? So uh, I'm not a lawyer, but right now the issue that you're talking about, I think, is more plagiarism. It's not the yeah. AI itself. So the worst thing that can happen is uh, you use ChatGPT to generate an article. And because you did that, you have no clue what sources it grabbed from. Mm -hmm. You publish right. the story and it blows up. You get a million views and you're making money. And then all of a sudden you see, oh, uh, obviously you took this paragraph from this story. So now you've had plagiarism. And if that story is copyrighted or if it's owned by you know a big entity that'll care about this, 100% they can sue you for using their content and making money off of it and not at least citing them as a source. Yeah. So worst case scenario, you can get sued and you can lose a lot of money. Uh, that's just about plagiarism though. Like if the AI is good and it doesn't do any plagiarism right now, as far as I know, there's no law against that. If the, if we could do that and you can keep writing articles and making money every day, there's no law against that right now. So it's kind of the wild, wild west uh, for AI content, just like it was for crypto. So you can go crazy, but at least with the tools that I've seen and ChatGPT is one of the most powerful, there's still a lot of issues with plagiarism because the writer doesn't know what sources are being grabbed. So you still have to be really careful about it. So to anyone using it, it would need, the person would need to double, to double check. Like we can use AI generated content and the main, well, the, the easy issue to, the easy issue we have is plagiarism. So we, we would just need to maybe use some plagiarism detectors and try to ensure that all the information that was generated by by the AI was not directly stolen or yeah it's hard to see because I I assume that you can just ask ChatGPT something and then it will generate a text and then you can just ask it to rephrase the text in another way and you are already out of this plagiarism that's a, I think that is a a very common misconception because just because it's not copy pasted, it doesn't mean it's not plagiarism. Yeah. So just because you paraphrased it, it's still plagiarism. So like what we'll see is exactly what you just said. Somebody might grab the chat GPT stuff, rephrase it, pop it up, but our plagiarism detector still grabs it because it might read the exact same thing paraphrased. It'll probably see the exact same article structure. So there might be an article mm. like, um, 
the five best YouTube channels and they'll put what's AI, Louie, uh, open AI, you know, um, tech lead, and then they'll paraphrase that. But it's really easy to still see that that's plagiarism because you have the exact same people in the exact same positions, the yeah. exact same headings, just paraphrased. So that's still direct plagiarism. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And they're running into issues at Hacker Noon specifically and other places because we can track that and we can obviously see where they grabbed it from and tell them, hey, obviously you just paraphrase this. I think in like a court of law, maybe that's okay, but you have to at least credit the source or it's still yeah. plagiarism. You have to say, I paraphrase this answer from this story, then you're fine. But if you don't credit it at all, then it's plagiarism. Hmm. And so since it seems to be somewhat of a big issue with ChatGPT, since it was trained on online data, so I assume almost most of it may be somewhat related to plagiarism. And my question with that is uh, to you, is AI generated content, is AI creative, basically? Very much so. AI is very creative and it's the amount of creativity depends on how creative the prompt engineer is, which is why I think it's not even exactly cheating to use AI. It's really about how you use it. That's cheating. If you spent a lot, if you spent even a similar amount of time to how long it would take you to write an article, what the AI can give for you, it would be incredibly creative because you would adjust its tone. You would adjust what keywords you want it to talk about the structure of the article. So I think I've seen great creativity, especially on YouTube of how people are using prompts to create yeah. creative things. And we've seen that with AI generative art as well, like with stable diffusion and GANs and everything like that. And with ChatGPT, at least it's easy for the mainstream audience to see this as well with just their, their more um, dedicated prompts or their more creative prompts. Uh, basically, the more creative you are with the information that you give to the AI, the more creative the response would be. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, which also makes me think that AI isn't really creative that much. It basically just reflects what it gets as inputs. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's creative in a way, but it's really dependent on the human on, on humans still. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, what I like about certain tech is how it can reflect our world. One reason why I was interested in SEO and I kind of made it a big part of my career is because at the end of the day, Google is trying to represent the real world on a search engine. So mm -hmm. when we, when we search what's AI on Google, their job is to give us exactly what we're looking for. Similar to in the real world, where if I was looking for, the best restaurant and I asked somebody on the street what the best restaurant is and they told me it's this restaurant, then I would probably go there. And search engines work a similar way with backlinks. Backlinks represent that in-person recommendation. If I link to your YouTube channel, I'm telling the internet that I think you have a great YouTube channel and they should go to it. And that means Google should rank it higher. And I think with AI, we're starting to see something similar like kind of the way our real world works. So mm -hmm. that issue you just said about creativity, you said maybe it's not that creative because it's grabbing all of these sources, but we've had that argument with art for a long time. Is that art really original or is it because he had all of these sources that he that he was inspired by and, or she was inspired by and they, they drew that painting? So I think yeah. 
that argument is is difficult for humans as well as AI. And I think it can definitely be creative. It's just about how much time and effort you put into it. Yeah, definitely. We are we we are just a reflection of everyone we we learn from. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, do you think an AI writing assistant can make a big difference in the writing quality of a writer? Very much so, which is why um, the next tool we're trying to build at Hacker Noon is pretty much exactly that. We're trying to build kind of a Grammarly on steroids sort of thing, because we have lots of writers who English is their second language, and they have great knowledge in JavaScript, or they might have great knowledge in AI, and they're spending so much time trying to write this article, but they're just struggling with the English. So if yeah. the AI assistant can just improve the English for them, why not, right? Like. Well, why not let the AI writing assistant do that rather than have this writer, you know, pay a translator to do it for him? If we don't have to pay that extra money and do that extra cost and just do it for them using AI, then I definitely think we should do that. I think um, whenever tools, not just AI, can improve the human experience or improve your workflow, eventually capitalism is going to work its way and we're going to have those tools. Eventually, we're going to find a way to do that. And I think AI is... It's a no-brainer. We've already seen the mainstream adoption. My personal like philosophy or my personal opinion is that the genie's kind of out of the bottle now, and there's really not a way to combat it. So when you're an online media publication and you have the philosophy that you're against AI-written content, you might be able to stay around for a few years, but five to 10 years down the road, eventually capitalism is going to win, and we're going to realize that AI is better, faster, uh, more accurate at writing and we're going to be using it in the mainstream world. It's funny how you, I, I just want to come back with your example of someone that doesn't speak or isn't really, isn't really good with English and uses mm -hmm. an AI to, to help him. It's, it's really cool how we've had lots of fear of, AI further spreading the apart the the rich from the poor people whereas we've seen well recently I've seen lots of examples of the opposite that AI was basically more uh, helping for democratizing lots of stuff just mm -hmm. as as we talked um, it had it now allows people to write in a better English even if we didn't have the luck to to learn how to properly write in English when we were young and like it yeah. makes lots of stuff more accessible. So it's really cool to see that from a new technology where we, I assume most of us uh, expected the opposite to happen. Yeah. Um, before I reply, can, can you explain a bit? Cause I did see a few articles about that, about how like AI is further like, making this gap between the rich and poor yeah. bigger, but I didn't really read the reasons. Do, do, can you tell me like, what's the main uh, theory of why they think that's happening? Oh, well, I, I don't even know that much myself about this. Okay. It's just that, for example, Google will use lots of AIs to even better control the, the, mm. the clients and everything like bigger companies with more money will use the new algorithms to better control people. Yeah, and I, I see, like of course that that may be true, but yeah, it's really cool to see that still 
for example, I or people that don't have like people that don't have, don't have access to lots of things except internet can right now use ChatGPT for free, and it's the most advanced artificial intelligence that exists. And yeah. we couldn't see that before. Like we cannot even now we cannot use the most advanced uh, rocket launcher that exists. Like it's or yeah. whatever. Like it's it's kind of crazy that we we have access to the to the best and most advanced technology out there. Yeah. And I think uh, regardless of the reason why they might have written those articles, I totally agree with you in the sense that AI is evening the playing field rather than widening the gap. Same with the internet. You know, the reason we're seeing startup hubs in uh, previously developing countries, you know, like India, Vietnam, Philippines is because the advent of the smartphone and the internet leveled the playing field a lot. So in the past where somebody in the Philippines, uh, my home country, by the way, might not have been able to get a job at an American company and got paid a decent salary. Now all they have to do is log on to the internet. You can become a remote writer for an, uh, an American company. And all of a sudden you're making a much higher wage than you would be working in a Philippines company. So internet leveled the playing field that way. AI, this is ChatGPT especially, is leveling the playing field in terms of writing, in terms of English. Like you said, maybe some people couldn't afford an expensive university. They might not have been able to go to a creative writing course like I did. And they might not have been able to land a writing job at a company. They might have not been able to write a blog on their own. All of a sudden, AI can help them do that. And mm -hmm. I think we're seeing the ingenuity from those populations where, you know, every day is a survival. And if you have this tool that all of a sudden can open up the internet for you, you can write a blog, maybe get some affiliate money from that blog using AI content, we're going to see a lot of that, you know? And I think uh, it's definitely leveling the playing field rather than widening the wage gap. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And even with ChatGPT, it's it's just also crazy how you can... I've seen lots of examples on Twitter and even from my lab uh, co-workers that are using ChatGPT for coding. And mm. for example, on Twitter, there have been lots of big posts, big threads about for example, I remember one that created a whole uh, mobile app that is online on the store right now. And it's, wow. it was just using ChatGPT to to code and to make the design, the layout, everything. And so it, it really makes not only writing accessible, but lots of other things. Of course, it's yeah. really bad with math and, and different topics, but it's already pretty good with programming and it will, it will only keep getting better. So that's... It's really cool because programming is is really hard for some people and yeah. allowing them to to create any web app or any application that they want just with words is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's the that's probably one of the biggest applications. We have entire careers, entire sections whose job is to talk with the devs, go from product to to the code, yeah. right? And if ChatGPT can do all of that, then, then, you know, we have a whole new world when it comes to software development. Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's promising or scary or both, but it's exciting. <laughs> I just, yeah. I am excited to see what happens. Same here, same here. Like these tools tend to worry a lot of people in the beginning, but yeah. the ideal world is that they give humans the ability to do things that are more fun and more creative, you know, like if we have 
a drone that can deliver boxes faster than a human, we might as well use that drone. And like uh, the worry, the first worry is that that human is out of a job. And, you know, it's very rare that somebody says they dreamed of being a delivery man all their life. You know what I mean? And if we have more tools doing those jobs that humans don't have to do, the ideal world is that it opens up those humans time to do something that's more creative or do something yeah. that they really wanted to do in the first place. Yeah, that's definitely the ideal case. And just to go back a bit, you mentioned Google SEO. And I had a question about that. If you think that AI generated should be penalized or not in the SEO or social media or just media in general, do you think it should be penalized to reward human effort? Uh, definitely not. That, that's my personal opinion, just so everyone knows it's not Hackerman's opinion. But right now, Google isn't penalizing SEO, uh, sorry, penalizing AI. Their official statement was something along the lines of, uh, hack, sorry, Google has always been in favor of automation. And as long as you do it in a clear and non-malicious way, there's not going to be a problem. But they mm -hmm. will derank articles that use AI to manipulate the algorithm or manipulate the rankings. And as we've said, CNET has been doing this for a while and they haven't been deranked. They haven't been strongly penalized. So at the moment, we can at least say that Google is not strongly penalizing these sites or they don't have the capacity to, you know? How, what's the, like, how possible would it be for them to crawl every single website, do an AI check that's uh, reliable and then mm. penalize those. It's just not possible right now, I think. And uh, more about the philosophical question of should they be penalized? I don't think so. It's it's all about the quality of the content. If it's AI generated and it's bad, yeah, it probably should be penalized. If it's human written and it's bad, yeah, it probably should be penalized. So it all just comes back to quality. If it's good, it should be at the top of the search rankings. If it's bad, it shouldn't. And right now, that's Google's job to do it. And a lot of us have opinions about whether or not they're doing it well. And I think in the future, uh, Microsoft will have a strong competition against Google, at least once we get to AI-based search, which I think is going to happen as well. You know, if you, if you Google something versus you ask ChatGPT for that same thing, lots of people are preferring the ChatGPT experience in terms of yeah. getting a reply. But would you be scared that this leads to imbalance between AI-generated content and human-generated content in the sense that if it's an AI that is searching for content, it is possible that it best matches to other AI-generated content since they, are, they have the same kind of information yeah. encoded? Uh, 100%, that's a big worry. So I think it, it's the onus is on Bing and on these companies to build the algorithm so that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And one thing Google does, of course, is it tries to take human recommendations into account. Right now, they're using backlinks, which is not a great way because backlinks can be easily manufactured. But the solution to that is trying to add human recommendations into your algorithm. So it's not just the AI. It's part AI and part human recommendation. Whatever way you do that is up to you. Google uses backlinks. It's not great. I don't know what the other best option is. Maybe it's social signaling, whether this has been tweeted or things like that. So there's lots of options out there. But I think the ideal mix right now is AI mixed with some human intervention into it. 
Hmm. And do you think nowadays it's necessary to use AI to compete with all other content created as, as an independent writer? Right now, I'd say no. You, you don't need AI to compete. But once AI gets better and the mainstream and everyone's using it, then I think eventually you will need it to compete just because your speed will be a lot less than the people who are using it. Hmm. It's much uh, diff more difficult and it's going to take you a lot longer to write something from scratch than it would be for you to reuse a prompt, get out a new article, and then edit it to your liking. That's a lot of a faster process. And personally, that's the process I use for my blog right now. Uh, not Hacker Noon, I run like a, a blog about Japan. And I have a bunch of freelance writers where I tell them what I want them to write, what keywords, uh, what the tone should be. Then they give me the article and I edit it. But honestly, in the future, once AI gets better, I'm sure that will be the exact same thing. But instead of freelance writers, you'd be using AI. Hmm. And are you, we, we talked about plagiarism for, for ChatGPT, are you also checking plagiarism for freelance writers just in case you get in trouble because of that? 100%. It's definitely my responsibility to check the plagiarism, and I do. And Hackernoon as well. It's our responsibility to at least check for the plagiarism and get rid of the stuff that we can track. So the onus, is, first of all, the onus is on the writer not to plagiarize. But if they do, the next job is for the publisher to do their own checks and not publish anything that has been plagiarized and ideally ban those writers that have been doing plagiarism outright. Mm. So would you suggest to use ChatGPT similarly to how you would use freelance writers and double, basically you can use ChatGPT, but you need to double check pretty much everything it does. Yeah, I think, uh, Maybe I wouldn't say suggest, it depends on your business model, but I think in the future, a lot of businesses will be run like that instead of having a really big writing team. And double checking is definitely your job as the publisher, as the company, because it's it's your brand that's gonna go down the toilet if something is flagged for plagiarism and you try to make yeah. money off of it, right? So maybe right now the best way is similarly to use it like a search engine, like Google. It gives you an output, but you still need to figure out where that came from and credit the right sources if ChatGPT specifically grabbed that from these four articles sort of thing. And would you have clear guidelines for anyone wanting to start using ChatGPT to improve their quantity of writing? If they want to write more and use ChatGPT safely, would you have general, general guidelines to give them? Yes. I'm probably not the best one to give you a prompt, but there's lots of YouTube tutorials uh, to do it for you. But the main guidelines I would say is you should never go from one prompt to output to publishing. You, you should never use the route of write me a 1000 word article about natural language processing, copy and paste. That's like literally the worst thing you can do. The prompts should be multi-leveled. So at least you're doing your best to make sure that this is Hmm. more in your voice. And if you do that, there's a lesser chance that it's going to be plagiarized. So you the prompts that I've seen have multiple levels. They'll prompt the AI on what they want the content to be. They'll prompt the AI on what keywords they wanted to talk about, even what questions they wanted to answer. And once you get to multi-level prompts like this, what you're pretty much doing is writing 
a template for an article. It's no different from me writing a Google Doc and putting in the headings that I want the writer to write about and then giving that to them and asking them to write it. It's the same thing. What they still need to be worried about is what the AI writes in between your structure. Yeah. So I'd say your final check should be running that through a plagiarism detector and seeing what was blatantly grabbed and not just changing it. Like what you really need to do is go to those stories, copy and paste the link and credit it because you know that ChatGPT grabbed it. It's not just about hiding the plagiarism. It's more about crediting these authors that did all this work for you to make that article. Yeah, thank you. This is definitely insightful for most people. And well, I think, do you think that more people will get into writing thanks to ChatGPT? Yeah, I think so. Um, a lot of the feedback we get at Hacker Noon is from developers or more technical professionals that they wanted to get into writing, but at, in their mind, it sounded like a big ordeal. It sounded like, mm -hmm. oh, I have to make my own site. I need to buy a domain. I need to do this and this. But because of Hacker Noon, they don't. They just need to sign up, try to write, and publish. That's like yeah. the easy workflow that we provide. So I think now that there's a tool that not only they can use it on Hacker Noon and they can have an easy publishing process, now they have a tool that'll do half of the writing process for them. It's definitely going to open up a lot of more people to enter the writing realm for sure. Yeah, I think the, the same way. Of, it definitely makes writing and other things more accessible, which is which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, well, this is basically an AI tool to help you mostly in your efficiency in writing. Would you have any other AI tools that are your favorites? Maybe first uh, specifically towards writing. And then if you have any other cool AI tools that you know of for anything else. Um, I don't think I have any other AI tools towards writing, but towards content creation, I think pairing it with into, uh, sorry, original images that are generated by AI is definitely a great way to go if you're not an artist, which I'm not. So for people who aren't artists, the only options are looking for copyright free images or paying for tools like Canva and trying to make your own original image on Canva. But as a lot of people have seen with generative art, like the AI stable diffusion models are probably much better and much more creative than you what you could probably make on Canva. Mm -hmm if you're not an artist. So I definitely pair it with some generative images, probably practice with that. And uh, more about a site uh, feature rather than a writer feature. I think not, not only for writing and for images, AI can help with other things like generating synthetic media for uh, spoken articles. So one thing at Hacker Noon that I actually forgot to mention is we want us to be accessible to even people who are blind, for example, and we want there to be audio versions of all our articles. So we have a tool that will read the entire article and generate a podcast sort of thing or a narration of that article using synthetic media. So I think uh, that's definitely something to add into your own website if you can. There's lots of APIs that'll provide that for you. So it's not like you have to build a tool to do synthetic uh, audio for you. So I think those are a few tools that I would personally try to add to my website if I was starting out as a writer. Hmm. Yeah, that that is a great one. The and and have you seen the voice? Well, text to text to audio, text to voice. Yeah. Generation models improve a lot in the past few months or years. Just like, for example, we've seen the difference with GPT three and ChatGPT, which is enormous. 
Is yeah. it the same way with uh, voice generated content? Very much so. Uh, maybe you've heard of a team called Replica Studios. Uh, they're one of the biggest players in the synthetic voice game. And one of their main use cases is for video games, which is, you know, it's a really hard thing to get voice actors into the studio, do all of mm. the mixing and things like that. And they have pre-trained models that can change the style of the voice. All you have to do is type in the dialogue and you can get an output. I already tried this back in, you know, 2019 when we weren't even that far, I guess, in the, in the AI timeline of things. And it was already amazing back then. And Replica Studios are just getting better and better. So the synthet the quality of the synthetic voices, you could probably argue that uh, they've already passed the Turing test. I think 90% of people, they would not be able to tell if that was an AI or a human voice. Hmm. So it's definitely getting better. And uh, similar to ChatGPT, uh, the ideal world is that they don't take away the jobs of the voice actors, is that they amplify these jobs in some way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I... Yeah, as long as you mentioned, it's always a question of transparency. And as long as you credit the the voice that you are taking and give them the the reward that you are getting through using that voice, I assume yeah. just um, IP, I, I assume that's a good thing for them because they, they can get something out of not working. So yeah, yeah I think this totally. may end up being a good thing whereas for example when the when deepfakes first came out i think most people were not skeptical but only saw the downsides the bad sides i yes. think that it was mostly fear and now i well from from what i see maybe that's biased but from what i see we keep on discovering positive things about the, the ai the generative models and not less negative things, but we know that at least we can understand that, for example, if we see Trump getting arrested, we know that it may be fake. Whereas yeah. when the fake first came, we, we thought that, oh no, we, we won't be able to, to know if it's fake or not. Now we just assume that it's fake unless we have proof. So yeah. it's not that bad, I think. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, but. I think... Um... To the internet savvy audience, we already are kind of trained to be skeptical about anything on the internet, yeah. but mainstream people, not mainstream, like the general population isn't. So I think the advent of deepfakes have that worry, but mm. they will force us to change our mindset and they'll force us to create a society that doesn't just believe what they see. Because in the past, what we saw is if you can see it, it's real. If I go outside and I see it, that's real. That's reality. But now we have to train people to understand that you can't just trust your eyes. You now have to think about the context and whether this is possible. So ideally, it'll lead to a more intelligent population. Uh, it's just a question of how long that would take, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it may, may take a while. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I have one last question for you. Sure. And you, we've already discussed this, so I think we already have our answer. But I, I'd like to conclude with that. And... And so I'd like um, to know, uh, how do you think AI is changing the landscape of, well, mostly journal journalism, but also media? And what do you see it as its potential impact overall? Will it be overall positive or negative? And 
what will be the biggest changes we will see? I think it's a really beautiful final question. So if we think about journalism as an industry, tech has, I'd say historically, lowered the barrier of entry. So in the past, when I was you know, eight years old, traditional journalism was just the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, The Guardian, The Telegraph, mm -hmm. all of these really big names. And to become a journalist, to become a writer, you had to go to a nice university, you had to get a great degree, and then you had to like, finish that degree and apply to these places to work, and hopefully you can get lucky and get in one of these places, and now you're writing for this company. That was traditional journalism. With the advent of the internet, you don't need to do any of that. Anyone can hop on the internet and write. Uh, there's a huge debate whether or not you would call them journalists, but they're writing, they're publishing. It's kind of the same industry. It's media and publishing. I think AI is going to lower the barrier of entry into journalism and media the same way that the internet did. So the internet made it open to everybody. AI is going to amplify that. It's going to make it open to everybody, not only with an internet connection, also anybody that might not speak English, not even just English, not Japanese. I can't write in Japanese by myself, but if I have an AI tool that can do it for me, I could probably try to do it, right? So I think the biggest, the more overlying answer to that question is it's going to lower the barrier of entry to the media and publishing industries. And the other answer is more on the technical side. It's going to create different workflows and different tech that is needed for these things to run. At least with Hacker Noon as a user-contributed publication, we need to build tools that can detect AI and give transparency to the reader of what was AI and what wasn't. That's kind of our responsibility. And for the bigger media publications, it's going to be about how to compete. So if the New York Times wants to keep this image of you know really traditional journalism, uh, really thorough, really fact-checked with multiple levels of editorial and everybody needs to have a master's in journalism sort of thing, they're going to be publishing at a much slower rate than Hacker Noon or than people that have AI-generated content. So for them, it's going to be about competition and how they either enter the field of AI to keep their brand alive or, you know, figure out what they're going to do to combat it. So I think those are the main things. And I think in general, as always with new tech, people are worried about losing jobs. They're worried about the downsides. And usually in the end, at least in North America and Europe, capitalism tends to choose for us. So if it's cheaper and more effective for me to use ChatGPT rather than hiring a full-time writer for my marketing team at $50,000 a year, it's, that's going to happen. It is. It's very rare that somebody is going to choose an expense that they don't need, at least in mm -hmm. capitalism. That's the way we modeled this. So I think uh, that's the way we're going to go. And eventually we'll figure out how much AI is going to be used in the mainstream based on those things, based on how well it's accepted by the readers, what profits it can make with the companies, and also how many writers adopt it. Uh, I was really against AI from the beginning, at least for writing, especially as an editor at Hacker Noon that saw lots of bad content coming from it. But as the prompts get more creative, as the users get more creative, they're making things that, you know, even normal writers couldn't write. So mm. for me, I'd feel kind of pretentious or I'd feel kind of elitist to say, you can't do that. That's bad. And I think eventually the industry will move that way. Yeah, and it's similar to 
I, I just listened to a podcast from Lex Redman with uh, Sam Altman, the, mm -hmm. the very recent interview about GPT-4 and OpenAI and everything. And the, Sam Altman is the CEO of OpenAI. And he mentioned that basically most people that, well, all people that start using ChatGPT just keep on using it and they just like it. And, and this even includes um, developers that, for example, are skeptical of using ChatGPT and they think that it will just uh, make them produce worse code or, mm. or, is, or they just don't like this tool. When they start using it, they all really, be, they all become dependent of using ChatGPT. And so that's a very, it's, it's really nice to over, overall this interview and along with uh, Sam's one. It's really cool to have an optimistic view of, of what will happen with AI compared to, uh, I think, the past few years. It's, a, it's always a question of losing jobs and, mm. and the bad things that will happen. And, and so I hope we will be able to keep democratizing uh, jobs, basically, and make them more available to, to more people and... Hopefully, it will be it will overall be more positive than negative, but we will see. As as one would say, what a time to be alive, and yeah. we 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 can only wait and see. And so, yeah, with that, I, I just want to thank you very very much for this interview. It was really nice to finally talk with you. I uh, I don't think we well we mentioned that we've known each other for a little while, but I think it's it's been a about something like at least two years and we haven't spoken together. It was strictly yeah. email or text. So that, that was really refreshing and fun. And thank you for spending your time here and answering all those questions. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you uh, having me and having Hacker Noon on your podcast. And I just want to say as well, uh, when we first met Louis, I think you were at like 10,000 subs at, at YouTube. So I'm really happy and really uh, uh, proud for you that you're YouTube has grown the way it has. And, and I'm glad you've stuck on the grind and you're starting to see the results that you were hoping to see. So I'm glad that uh, your channel has grown the way it has. And I'm really uh, confident it'll just continue to grow. The, the content you're creating is high quality. Thank you. And is there anything you'd like to share? You mentioned you had a blog about Japan, but is there, do, do you want to share anything that you are announcing on Hacker Noon or anything you'd yeah. like to, to share to the audience? I think like uh, for this audience, just be uh, just uh, check out hackernoon.com as a platform if you're the type of audience that likes AI tools. Because as we talked about in the podcast, we're integrating more and more of them into our editor. And uh, in lots of places, those tools exist externally. Our goal is to have them just in the Hackernoon editor. So you don't need to open up a bunch of tabs to do certain things. It'll all just exist there. So if you're looking for a writing experience, that can be AI powered, definitely check us out and let us know what you think and what features you'd like to see on Hackernoon and we could uh, hopefully make it all happen. Really cool. And I personally use Hackernoon, so I also definitely recommend it. Thank you very much, Limark, and I hope to, to see you soon again. Yeah, thanks so much, Louis. It was really fun. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.